Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. So today, if you want to get out your notes, the notes are in your bulletin. Notes are also in the church app, or you can just listen. We are going to begin our Christmas series entitled Christmas. All right, on the count of three, everybody say Christmas. On the count of three, hold on. One, two, three. Yeah, why would we have a crazy title like that? Because we want to bring back the emphasis of Christmas to Christ. Amen? Uh, And listen, there's things about Christmas. Uh, I watched with my kids this week, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and you know, there's Frosty the Snowman. The kid gets left behind uh, while his family goes on, all kinds of stuff. And how many know there's this stuff going on that even as a believer, you can get distracted and like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, Chris, it's Christmas. It's, it's Jesus. Well, for the next couple of Sundays, I want to pull our attention, put our attention firmly on him. Because can I remind you today that Jesus is truly the reason for the season because without Christ, there'd be no Christmas. It is Christmas. And the beauty of Christmas is this scene right here. A God who so loved this world that he would leave the corridors of heaven and become a man. Let's not forget it. Today, I want to bring our attention to Jesus, our Savior, Better yet, Jesus, your Savior. And if I can, I want to turn time back, actually before there was no time. There was God. We know at some point in time past, he created angels, a little mystery as to what ha- that, when that happened. We know it was before mankind because the Bible says the angels rejoiced as God created. But God had such an overflow of love and goodness that he wanted somebody to pour that upon. So he created mankind. And his hopes were that he would pour that love and kindness upon man who would receive that, would return that, and out of that, there would be a relationship formed. Not that God needed anybody, but God wanted somebody. Everybody with me? So as God contemplated the creation of mankind, he he looked ahead. How many of you know God knows all things? And he saw that the creation that he would create would fail. That they would choose sin in the garden over him. And so, out of his heart of goodness and love, he came up with a plan before anything was ever created. And that plan was that his son would come to save mankind from their sins. Now, to put that in perspective... Let's say you had a child that was headed into the army. And you knew through some sort of foreknowledge that should your child enter the army, they would be captured, tortured, and killed. Would you joyfully tell them to sign up? Listen, God signed him up, his own son before anything was created. The Bible says he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That scripture comes into understanding if you hear what I'm saying. 
Before anything was laid, the plan was put in place that Jesus would come because God so loves the world. Come on, we're talking about Christmas this morning. Christmas. Let's get our eyes on Jesus. Can you say amen? When God looked ahead and saw that man would fail, the plan was put in place to send Jesus. Is anybody grateful this morning? You know, so, so many people in today's world, many that I run across, you talk about the Lord. And they look at God as the bad guy. In other words, they're like, well, look at all the suffering. Look at all the injustices in the world. Why doesn't God do something? Friend, he did something beyond comprehension. He sent his own son. Come on, somebody. He sent his own son. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's why Romans 8.32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how, how, we, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Look, if God created because his heart was full of goodness and love to overflow, listen, that overflow is still available for what you're going through today. Come on, can I be reminded of the Christmas, this Christmas, that the God who loved you enough to send his son still loves you enough to take care of you wherever you're at and whatever's going in your life. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So Jesus was willing, son of God, to leave heaven where he was praised where angels surrounded him and praised him, and he was willing to empty himself and leave it all behind, not to be welcomed in the world's largest hotel, but in a manger. And who was there to welcome him? Lowly shepherds, who an angel met in the fields and said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Can we just stop right there? Can I be reminded that Christmas is good news and it ought to be full of great joy for anybody who understands what Jesus has done? Come on. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. What, what is he? Jesus is a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now let me, let me help somebody this morning. Listen, in order to appreciate a savior, you first have to fully come to grasp that you are lost and in need of a savior. Are you listening this morning? Listen, I'll, I'll, I, I did it in the first service, I'll take it back, you know, talked about falling through the ice, probably not gonna happen anywhere around here, but maybe if you were to go to Western Maryland, Maybe Deep Creek Lake at some point freezes over in the winter. And let's say you'd be there a little early in the season. It's a little iffy, but you decide to try it out. You head across the lake, and at some point, you fall through. You're scrambling. You, you can't find a grip to pull yourself out. Your clothes are becoming waterlogged, and you come to the realization, if someone does not come along to rescue you, you're going to die. You're gonna die. How many of you, by the way, little interjection, how many of you saw the movie? How many of you, let's change it around. How many of you didn't see the movie Breakthrough? Okay, if you have not seen that movie, this is your homework assignment, just since I mentioned it. Uh, uh, young man, I think 15 years of age, dropped through the ice, was underwater for 30 minutes, 
and he's alive today by a miracle of God. You gotta see the movie. All right, a little distraction there, but I thought about it when I used that illustration, okay? Let me, let me tell you something that weighs heavy on my heart. It's this, that the majority of people that you pass on any given day are walking on thin ice, not realizing at any moment they could drop through into eternity and they're not ready. I know that's a sober thought, but I'm gonna try it again. This time I'm gonna get an amen, all right? Now that you're, you've had the sober. My heart weighs heavy that the majority of people, they need a savior. They don't even realize it. And they're walking through life on thin ice at any moment they could crash through into eternity and they're not ready. Are you listening? You say, well, in what sense are they lost? Maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I'm good. It's, it's nice to be in church, but I don't really want to get all caught up in this Jesus thing. Can I remind you this morning, you are lost because you've sinned. If I were to ask this morning, is there anyone who sits in the house that has never sinned? If you raise your hand, you just sin because you lied. <laughs> can you imagine, listen, can you imagine, back to our illustration. Can you imagine that you are walking across Deep Creek Lake and you run across the person who's fallen through the ice, who, who is desperate, and you say to them, are you good? And they say, I'm good. Have a nice day, never. Save me. Come on, listen to me. If you're in this place today, Jesus came because you needed a Savior. Because I needed a Savior. He didn't come because the guy next door is worse than you and needs a Savior. He died because you need a Savior. And I need a Savior. Are you listening this morning? Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you're in this place and don't think you need a Savior, answer these questions. Number one, have you sinned? How can you save yourself from your own sin? And what happens when you stand before God guilty of sin? Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why would I want to pay the penalty for my own sin when a Savior has come and has paid the price and taken upon himself not just my sin, but the penalty? Come on, if the wages of sin is death and Jesus died to pay that penalty, why on earth wouldn't I look to him and cry out and say, Save me, Lord! and enjoy the greatest gift that has ever been given, the gift of God's own son. Are you listening this morning? Now, now listen, and this applies to our day. The reason why some people are hesitant to admit they're lost is because they've drawn their own line of what sin is. In other words, they've just said, well, I'm okay because whatever I'm doing, I'll just make the line over here. If they get a little worse, they just move the line over here. Well, well, I'm good. Can you imagine you turn the corner onto Wise Avenue and you say, you know what? I'm gonna invent the speed limit for Wise Avenue. It's now 100 miles an hour. 
So down you come flying past Eastern Assembly and you see sirens behind you. And the police officer takes your information and you cry out, but the speed limit's 100. Who says so? I do. Now I looked up what the penalty would be for going that far over the speed limit. You would be looking at a ticket for $530. And when you say, but officer, he's gonna say, you have no authority to invent your own speed limit. Can I tell you today, you have no authority to call what is wrong right and what is right wrong. That authority rests on God and God alone. And if you wonder why our society is such a mess is because mankind has now taken upon himself or herself saying, I'll draw the line wherever I want to draw it. And the question is, who, who has that right? Do you have that right? Do you? Do you? And if everybody has the right, where on earth does the line end up? in a crazy place. Listen, you do not have the authority to redefine what God has already defined. Malachi 3.6 says this, I, the Lord, do not change. And can I just say this? If you head into eternity thinking you're gonna say to God, well, God, I disagree with some of the things you called wrong, you're gonna lose that argument. And can I just say this? Where God has drawn the line he has his reasons. He has his reasons as he looked at mankind and said, this is what's right for them and this is what's wrong. Romans 1.30 says this, speaking of so many people, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. And can I say this to those of you who are believers in the house? Please be careful about allowing the world to influence you to make your own right and wrong. If you don't think it's happening, friend, I've talked to way too many people who once loved Jesus with all their heart and now they've drifted. And they might still say, well, you know, I, I love the Lord, but, but what? But I just don't quite agree with everything God says. So you've become God now? Are you listening? The Bible says in James 4, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now this I know. Once you come to the realize, realization that you're lost and you come to the realization that Jesus is a savior and you call out to him in sincerity, this I know for sure, that everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. Most of you know my story. Raised in a little country church, thought I was a Christian because I was baptized as an infant, went to church every Sunday, and I had plenty of people I could point to and say they're way worse than me. But as I went through high school, I found myself doing many things that I, I knew in my heart were wrong. I told myself I'd never do. I was like, why am I so powerless to say no? And at 18 years of age, I was invited to a church like this one by a girl I had met at Penn State. And that night, I'm so grateful, that night my eyes were open. I had religion, but what I didn't have was a personal relationship with Jesus. I had given him a prayer before meals, a good night prayer, but I'd never given him myself. 
And that night I surrendered because I recognized I needed a Savior. And you know what? When I called, he answered. Amen? Amen. Now, now let me tell you something about Jesus. I believe that Jesus is willing to save anyone. You might not know this, but there are those that believe that God kind of has a lottery system for salvation. He looks at one and says, you're going to be mine. He looks at another and says, you're going to be damned to hell and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't agree with theology. I believe what 2 Peter 3, 9 says, he is patient with you, listen, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen, he paid the price. The work of Jesus is finished, paid in full. Your part is to recognize that you need it and receive it. You say, but pastor, you don't know what I have done. Jesus didn't die for some sins. He died for all sins. Your sin is not greater than the price Jesus paid for it. Can you say amen? When he served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good. Not only ours, think about the price he paid, but the whole worlds. When Joseph discovered that Mary was pregnant, they were engaged. He didn't know what to do. Mary was like, I didn't sleep with another man. Trust me, this is from God. Think about if you're Joseph. Never in the history of mankind has it become a woman pregnant without a man involved. Do you understand? Joseph's confused. He decides just to, you know, Mary could have been stoned for that. Mary decides he's going to put her away quietly, just, just dissolve this and go on their way. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because, would everybody just say it with me on three? One, two, three. He will save his people from their sins. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, he's the Savior. Many of you know the story of Jesus encountering Zacchaeus, a short tax collector who climbed a tree to see him. And Jesus said, get out of the tree. I got to have dinner with you today. And, and other Jews were not happy that Jesus was having dinner with Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was an outcast. Think about it. He was a Jew working for the Romans, taking the Jews' money and giving it to the Romans. That didn't go over well with the average Jew. So people were thinking as Jesus is having dinner with Zacchaeus, and Jesus said these words just to help them to understand why he was at Zacchaeus' house. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Zacchaeus was lost. And before that conversation was over, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. I was thinking as I was working through this message of my first Christmas Eve. Got saved at 18 years of age in June, so a couple months after I was saved, my first Christmas Eve. I'd been to many Christmas Eve services in the church that I grew up in. 
I had had children's parts. I had played my trumpet in a Christmas Eve service as a teenager. I remember every Christmas Eve, they gave us a box of chocolate and an orange. And I asked my dad finally, after about six years of that, what's with the orange? He said, well, there was a time when an orange was like a really prized possession because they had to be brought by horse or by carriage from Florida. I'm like, that, <laughs> that was a long time ago, Dad. You know, how about, how about two boxes of chocolate anyway? Um, but in that Christmas Eve service after I was saved, I, I just was in awe. It was just so beautiful to hear voices singing, candles lit, lifting up the name of which now I owed my life and my allegiance because he had saved me. Come on, somebody. Listen, don't let this Christmas season pass with, without, with losing your all of what Jesus has done and who he is. Don't get so busy here and there. What about the gifts? What about the trim? What about the lights? I'm not saying don't do it. It's, it's part of it. But how do you know it's awfully easy to get busy doing all that? And Christmas passes and you say, oh yeah, what about Jesus? There was a woman in the Bible. This will tell you a little bit about the story where we're headed. She came to a place in her life where she knew what she was doing was wrong, but she was trapped. I mean, that describes a lot of people in this day and age. Sin has taken them further and done more damage than they ever intended it to do. They're trapped. But when this woman realized that Jesus was in her town, she did something crazy. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with their hair, kissed them and poured perfume on him. I wanna ask you a question. Do you think that woman knew every eye would be on her when she burst into that meeting and started, you know, washing? I mean, come on, friend, you're making a scene. True? But you know why she did it? Because she knew Jesus was her only hope. She knew there was no place else she could look to, no one else she could look to to be forgiven from the lifestyle. She reached a place where she knew she was lost, she knew who the Savior is. Who cares what anybody thinks? And in she goes. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then he said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know what comes with Jesus as a savior? Jesus, our peace. How many you know he is the prince of peace? Jesus said these words, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. One of the things that I love when we gather together and we begin to worship and Jesus comes is the peace that's in the house. Come on, anybody come to church in part, you just say, man, my life might be a turmoil, but when I come to this place, I feel the peace of God. I sense Jesus' peace. Amen. And listen, one of the things we're going to do when we get to communion, just, just hang with me, I'm going to ask the Prince of Peace to do a work. I am currently reading through the prophets in my devotions. And uh, I'm in Jeremiah, towards the end of Jeremiah right now. But before Jeremiah, I was in Isaiah. Thank you very much, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And the prophets lived in some hard times. If you read the prophets... I mean, they're basically saying pretty much everybody has deserted the Lord. 
their messages return to the Lord before disaster strikes. And for the most part, they didn't return to the Lord and therefore disaster strikes. And, but, but God gave to Isaiah in particular a number of glimpses ahead to the Savior. And in Isaiah chapter nine, it's a verse my wife referenced. He wrote these words. For to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called. I want, I want, close your eyes. Close your eyes with me. Just listen. listen. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me. If you were in this house today and I were to walk up to you and say, do you know that you know that you know you're right with God? You say, how can anybody know that? Well, I want you to watch this four-minute video. It'll help you understand. Then we're gonna have an altar call and celebrate communion together. Watch if you would, please. Slow red building outside of my house here. I call it my hell on earth. It's where I uh, went out and hid and done my best. Life was crumbling before me. Uh, the principal told me that he had heard that I was uh, on a meth binge and uh, my wife was leaving me. The divorce was, it was coming. I knew I'd been caught. Hey, I'm Keith Fagan. I've been going to Pine Lake for about nine years. July of 1995, I thought I was safe. You know what I mean? And doors were open on Sunday, Wednesday, and Sunday night, we were there. Out of high school, um, went to college and played baseball, and I hired on at Benton Academy for four years. That was my first job. I was a head coach. Um, gained some exposure uh, as a coach there. I'm living the dream for me as a, as a baseball fan. And um, a great wife, a great family. I mean, I, I had it, you know what I mean? I, but we started partying, you know what I mean, on weekends. You get wrapped up in, in the drinking. And you stay out by the fire late at night. And one person shows up and has meth in his pocket. Uh, December 16th, I was called to the principal's office. Uh, the principal told me that he had heard that I was uh, on a meth binge and uh, my wife was leaving me and asked would I go take a drug test. Immediately, my lip went to trembling. I knew I'd been caught. Went well, to the casino on Saturday night. Um, woke up the next morning and found some bad dope. Started hallucinating. And um, it got to the point where I was so bad that the security started surrounding me. Um, I swung and hit two security officers. You got to think I'm whacked out of my mind on dope. And they roughed me up pretty good. And I get in the merch room and I'm blacking in and blacking out. But there's two officers in the corner of the, of the merch room. This officer walked up to me, and I'll never forget it. He leaned over my bed, and he said, a husband and a father's not supposed to act this way. I remember rolling right over here. I mean, literally. Um, I don't know. I was trying to get to the, to the spot where I thought God would hear me. And uh, I was screaming to God. And I'd probably walk from here to the, I don't know, probably 10 yards up there in this 
crying and screaming to God. There's, there's houses pretty close by. I didn't care. It had enough. Ultimately tried to go to rehab and walked out. Just there again, thought I could do it on my own. And uh, ultimately, 11 days later, I hit my knees and uh, you know I knew I needed a true relationship with Christ. He listened. <laughs> he helped me. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day here on this earth, dear Lord. I had to pray that we were a light and, and, uh, in a world of darkness today. I pray that we've seen Christ in us. I pray that you bless the food and use the food and nurture our body and our bodies your service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our relationship now is stupid crazy. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. When I tell you restored, redeemed, there, there's, it's, it's, it's nuts when you put God in the middle of something. Just look at life through a different lens now. You know what I mean? Um, you know, instead of my drinking, my smoking buddies, now I got a seven-year-old sidekick that's with me all the time, you know? Um, but we pray at night as a family. It's awesome. I mean, I'm in the bed with my wife every night. We're sitting at the supper table holding hands, praying. My son's blessing the food. We take turns, you know. <laughs> it's awesome. It, that being on the bottom, having Christ live in me now. Kids ask me at school, they ask me today, Coach, why are you so happy? And all I can say is because Christ lives in me. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like you, everybody in this place, to bow your head and close your eyes. And I ask you to do that because I want you looking in your own heart and no one else's. Listen, there's two people who know where you're at in your relationship with God. One is you and one is God. You can fool everybody in this room but at the end of this day, it's not everybody in this room that you will stand before. It will be you and it will be God. And if you're here today, it's because God brought you here to hear this message of a Savior so that you could respond, open the door of your heart and be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're here today and you need a Savior, whether you've never, ever turned to the Lord before or whether you feel like you've wandered away and today is a day of return, if you know in your heart the right thing to do at this moment is respond. I'm asking you to be like that woman who didn't care what anyone else thought. She only cared that she did right things right with God. If that's you today in need of a Savior, I want you just to raise your hand right now. Come on. You know who you are. Where are you? God brought you here today so you could hear this message so that you could respond 
and that today would be the day of your salvation. Looking all over this place today. Come on. Walking on thin ice, you're walking across that lake. Friend, there's no need for you to fear because Jesus can save you. Spirit of God, I'm waiting because my desire would be that no one would leave this place today without knowing they are 100% right with God. Saw a hand or two, but I'm going to ask one more time. Somebody here. You say, Pastor, why is my heart in my throat right now? Because the Spirit of God is touching you and asking you to respond. Thank you. I see that hand. Someone else here this morning. God has brought you here to hear this message of a Savior so you could respond. Thank you for your faithfulness today. Thank you. For those two hands that went up, I believe, because I know those folks, that that's a a, a heart of return. So I'm just going to ask, Lord, as they, in their seats, open the door of their heart and say, Lord, I'm coming to you with all of my heart. Would you honor them, Father? Wash clean and restore for your glory. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to take out your communion cups, if you will, please. And I'm gonna ask something. Listen, if you are in the place today and peace has eluded you at this moment in your life, you're going through pressureful things, it's just a hard time, and you need Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to meet you here today, I want you to get out of your seat and just stand as we take communion. Just believing God is going to meet you here as you take a step of faith. Discouraged, whatever, just come on. Come on, this is just a way to say, Father, I'm trusting. I need your peace. Who cares what anybody thinks? It's worth it for Jesus' peace. I need his peace. Tired of being discouraged, tired of being depressed. I just want Jesus to lift me up. I want the peace of God to be my portion today. Come on, I'm waiting for you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. As they're coming, I want you to carefully take your communion cup. Make sure you get the clear plastic so you can take out the wafer. Could you do that this morning, please? And I want to remind those of you who are standing here, all of us, If this wafer represents Jesus' broken body, he took upon himself whatever you're going through, your discouragements, your pain, he bore it so that you could be free and you could enjoy his peace. So right now, Father, before we even partake, we're going to cast our cares on you. And we're looking to you today, Father. Your peace is not as the world gives. Thank God. Comes from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Would you partake with me right now, please? Then I want you to take the cup and carefully peel back both layers so you can get an opening big enough that you can drink out of it. 
This cup and the juice that's in it represents the shed blood of Jesus. The Bible says whenever we partake, we're supposed to remember what Jesus has done for us. It helps us be thankful and it helps us to stay true. So Father, as your blood-washed children, we say thanks today. Thanks for coming. Thanks for bearing our sin. Thanks for being our Savior. Thanks for your peace. We give you praise and we receive it in Jesus' name. Would you partake together? Now listen, those of you at this altar, would you just stay put for a moment? In fact, everybody in this place, would you just stay put for a moment and allow God's presence to minister to you as Wayne leads us in a song before we go? Thank you.